when we give um, notes on an episode. Um, because there's so many voices, we uh, we've started using a Google Doc system, which is like the most uncreative yeah. uh, approach to 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 giving uh, thoughts on on an idea. But uh, it is like most of the time, all we're trying to achieve is like, okay, what is the group consensus? Because we disagree on the tiniest of little things. We're always on the same page on on the big things. So. It's, uh, it's just more of the same. Yeah, the doc system is color-coded, so it's very organized. Uh, all right. Get all the thoughts out. <laughs> Putting a lot of people to sleep right now. I uh, really, I like those, like, no, I like... No, we can go into what the colors mean. <laughs> I like Google Docs, and I like those chats, because you could actually not only see when people are typing, but you can sort of see when they stop. Right. And oh, yeah. reconsider a thought. Yeah. And, and, like, who was wrong and when. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You've got an archive of every single mistake. Yeah, when that when the season's done. over, we're going to go, we're going to look at all the sketches and then go back and see who was wrong. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess you guys you guys have become a fair amount more streamlined now that you're into the second season now, right? Like physically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're slender. Well, I was going to ask about that because because you know, like all, all these um, again, all these like interviews I've seen done with you guys, and um, you guys did it like you guys did a Reddit today. Um, and any time somebody describes you, the easiest shorthand is just physical description. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And you guys do that too. Like you guys, like we skip that because I think it's totally useless to have you all say your names. <laughs> yes, it's impossible. <laughs> but but you you when people ask you to say something about yourself, you describe yourselves physically. Yeah, it's it's such an easy thing to fixate on. So like getting it out of the way of like, yeah, we are seven guys. <laughs> We're like, seven uh, white guys. It's an easy place to start, yeah. but. Uh, it's also like it just doesn't really define anything about our sensibility, so it it's not worth. We don't write the type of sketches where it necessarily where it's like, oh, that's that's this character, you yeah. know, right out of the gate. Maybe um, we should just start telling people which uh, European descent we are. Yeah, of. yeah, it's an easy way. Oh, to let's make this about race. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually it's a bummer for me and Tim kind of get the short end of the stick because I'm the fat guy and Tim is the square jawed guy. And it's not right. It hurts our feelings. It's not right. I think I get off the hook for being fat because I have a square jaw. So I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm allowed to get as fat as I want. Nobody well, wants to say like the second most fat guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> second fattest guy is not a cool. Yeah. cool. I just the out of shape guy. <laughs> I, have to, I have to maintain one pound less than Mitch. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's my goal. Get you, buddy. Well, hey, that's. That's better than being the bald guy. I would switch with you guys. Oh yeah, Chris, you got you got you got the short end of it. Oh, I got the genetic. Uh, uh, can we can we curse on this thing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll curse later. The genetic end of the it? fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I was going to ask you though earlier, because you were saying you were, you were you were working out. I mean, imagine you know if if I were to get a TV show that that would be part of the regimen, like you know the camera adds fifty pounds and all that, but also like you know anytime I've been on camera, like people. These are the things that people point out. Honestly, though, none of us. You you work out a little, right? Well, I'm I, I'm starting to. You you, you do sometimes. So I I feel like uh, I I try to do it, but you'll be surprised by uh, how all you do is the show. I mean, Tim Kalpakis jogs. I, I'm the only person here that works out every day. He he runs I, every I day. I run two and a half miles every morning, and then I eat food all day. <laughs> um, but no, from the beginning to the end of the season, if you chart my weight, it's a wild, wild thing. Uh, the, another problem is that they, we, uh, you know, like on set lunches are like pasta yeah. and like br- and there's bread, and then like at the end of a long day, if they're like, hey, we got like pizza and cake and you're like yeah i want to eat all that stuff because you're it's just been the, like you just had 14 hours on set or the whatever most important thing about being on tv is carbo load <laughs> that's what that's what that's what i think carb, carbs calories. are what they gonna do first we also like the one way you could protect yourself on this front is to write sketches where you're physically active like where you work out but instead tim wrote a sketch this year about a man who eats samples at a costco <laughs> I also, everyone, every interview I've heard with actors where they have to eat food, they always talk about like, oh, gross, it was prop food and it was cold and I had to keep taking the bite of the cheeseburger, but we love it. Like we, uh, (laughs) all that food, this sketch we did this year, I ate a ton of that food and it was delicious all day. And then last year, me and Mike did this sketch where we were like going to all the different ESPN zones and eating mozzarella sticks and chicken wings and all all day we kept eating it. It never got gross to me. We ate cold mozzarella sticks and uh, uh, chicken wings and stuff and they were not good, but it was just cramming them into our face. We couldn't be happier. Uh, I, I disagree. They were good. 
We also had a sketch about a hot dog eating contest, and they had little spit buckets for us, which we didn't always use. I mean, sometimes we just ate the hot dogs. Uh, the crew wanted to throw up more than we did during the uh, hot dog eating contest. And, and I just, on, on another note, I want to say that if you write physical activity into a sketch, it's the worst thing on earth because you got to do it a bunch of times. And uh, I, I was in a scene, uh, Tim wrote, and uh, literally all I had to do was be uh, electrocuted in the electric chair, and I just had to shake my body. All I had to do was be electrocuted. <laughs> all I had to do was electrocuted, but uh, I almost passed out from shaking so many times. I was, like, so close to throwing up. It was it was it, because we did it, like uh, – we did it like ten times, and also it was a hundred degrees in the room, which didn't help. But yeah. we, speaking of having to do a weird physical thing in a scene, well, there's a new moment in a new rough cut of a sketch that we just watched, and I don't even know if you've seen it yet, Mitch. Have you seen where you sit down with the rabbit? Yes. And there's the funniest, funniest moment where Mitch has to in a, in a sketch. He's holding a real live rabbit. Oh, yeah. A big, huge rabbit that we got from a handler, and he's supposed to like lay down on the ground, and take a nap with this rabbit. And when he, uh, he, there's no when your hands are full when you're holding a rabbit, like there's it's hard to sit down. And Mitch has no way to eat. So depending he, on you for he, yeah, exactly. Safety. Safety. So Mitch is yeah, who's scared for his life? It's a rabbit. That's that's kind of their mo. And he cradles it, and then so Mitch just. Let's his body just roll back, <laughs> and it's the funniest thing in the world. Also, I also want to say my my left arm was broken. Oh, yeah. I, my left arm was broken. I was holding a rabbit. Uh, I broke my arm earlier in the year in a, in a sketch, and I was holding this like twenty pound rabbit. And like the lady was like, you have to hold it in these two spots, and you can't change it, or it's gonna run away. <laughs> and so I, I like uh, like a little seesaw, I fell backwards. <laughs> was it super important that it wasn't a stuffed rabbit? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, it was because in this show we make no exceptions. We only use the real thing, whether it be rabbits or food. Mm-hmm. We always swallow because we're method. You know, we we need to know that it's the real deal. We always <laughs> swallow because we're method. <laughs> biggest rabbit I've ever seen in my yeah, entire life. It's so, so let's back up a second. How did you how did you break your arm in a sketch? Oh man. Well, uh, there there's this uh, this sketch about. Actually, it's in the second second episode yeah. of the season or third third. Yes, the yeah. third episode, the Bob episode. And um, there's a scene where uh, I'm sorry, that's second. It is second. Okay. Uh, the there uh, I get told that my girlfriend is pregnant, and then I don't really understand what she means and and uh and then at the end of it she tells me that the baby's in her belly and i run away and i jump through a door a breakaway <laughs> door and uh i i we we uh, you know the, it was a foam door and i was kind of warned that it would give way easier than we thought it would so uh i ran through the door and the door my for no so, far, the, so, so, so far so good but my forward momentum like I was w- went way too fast. I, I like uh, for me, a guy who never goes too fast. I was w- I went way too fast, and the top of my body just like my feet went out from under me, and I slammed my head into the wall, the wall behind it and my shoulder, uh, and landed on my arm, and uh, immediately knew something was wrong. At first, I didn't. I thought that I maybe had like broken my neck or something, and I broke my arm. The good news is it made the cut. And that's all, that's all that Mitch cared about when he stood up. He was a trooper. He was so happy. I, did, I, did, I, I, I genuinely – I did do it again. I didn't know it was – I was like – but immediately, like, I could bend it, but, like, it felt like goop. And I was like, oh, it's fine. And then uh, and, and then uh, my, I thought my finger was messed up, which it was also actually was fractured. And uh, I, I was like, oh, it's just weird. So I did it again. And then around, uh, like – <laughs> the second time was not as good because I was terrified. <laughs> and then about an hour later, my arm locked into an L position, and I almost I almost threw up. And, and uh, yeah, I went to the doctor, and I, I fractured my radial head. Yeah, it, was, it was funny that all the camera assistants and people were suddenly giving out free medical advice. They're all like, oh, if you can bend it, it's not broken. Oh, it's not broken. You can bend it. <laughs> if you could do another take, it's not broken. <laughs> yeah. For continuity reasons, we couldn't. Mitch couldn't put a cast on because yeah. we shoot block shoot these sketches over like um, eight weeks or something. So Mitch just had to let his broken arm dangle. <laughs> <laughs> which, which turned out. 
luckily, it, it turned out luckily to be the right thing. I'd like a that it was it was misdiagnosed at the hospital I went to. Like a they it, misdiagnosed a broken arm. Yeah, they th- they thought it was an ulna, which does need a hard cast and it needs to be cast. But it was a radial head, and you like need to work it like you need to have it's right on your elbow so like you want to get flexibility in it so it was we were really lucky but these guys like loved putting in scenes of me like struggling to get off the couch and i'm i'm a big guy so you don't know that i have a broken arm it just looks like i'm struggling because i'm a big guy trying to get off a couch when the reality of it is i can't push i can't use one arm to get up like like how important is it that I open a can of pickles in this scene? Right. <laughs> um, you know, you know, I, I was I was interviewing a, a cartoonist a while ago, and um, you know, he, he was basically talking about how important it is to um, to draw stuff you want to draw. Like if you you know if you're drawing a, a you know full comic book to draw like cars if you like drawing cars mm-hmm. i'm wondering how much that plays into the scenes you guys pick like how important it is that they're actually fun to shoot who is right. the cartoonist real quick uh, jaime hernandez oh uh sweet <laughs> you what stumped, was the right answer to that question he, he just wanted to expound some knowledge yeah. <laughs> uh no that's huge and uh i think that's the the very essence of our group like um we started at the upright citizens brigade theater just doing live shows every month and stuff and um there is no reason to think about audience other than a hundred comedy savvy kids in the same room as you <laughs> So uh, the whole group is formed by shared sensibility. We, we have similar favorite shows, similar hobbies and interests, and um, it's kind of the opposite of how you would cast a show. You know, it's, it is homogenous, but the, the upside of that is that point of view-wise, we tend to draw from the same takes on classic scenarios or the same type of idiot character that we want to dive into. So I think, like, uh, we, it's not that we avoid topicality, but we, we want to connect into something that we think is kind of timeless and relatable to this group and what we find fun to shoot. Um, so, yeah, definitely paid in. And strangely enough, we think it's really important to practice drawing cars as well <laughs> for comedy. Uh, it hasn't really paid off yet, but we feel like it will. Has, has, has transitioning into television, I mean, that, that, that must, uh, I mean, obviously the audience is different than, you know, 50 people at, at a UCB theater. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone jump in? Yeah, There's I, seven of you. Come yeah, on, well, guys. Again, deference. Um, but yeah, no, it um, it's interesting. The first season, uh, which is on Netflix, by the way, uh, uh, is a lot of material that either was performed very similarly at UCB Theater or around town or on tours and things like that, or um, it's the germs of ideas that never made it to the stage. Um, but later in the season, after we had kind of burnt through some of our like favorite, favorite all-time you know used used uh sketches we started to realize how much fun it was to write for the screen you know like you kind of get comfortable in the premise of the Mm. show and then you get excited about picking a genre that we can actually execute it uh, or um just just coming up with an idea in the room and bouncing off each other because for once we were in the room with a purpose not just hanging around in in our house and and goofing around like we had an objective to make an episode of tv uh, yeah, I, I think also just with with our stage show, there there's the the great thing of we could test out sketches and and we get the the results of a live audience yeah. laughing at certain right. jokes and beats and stuff. And obviously with with TV, that's that's different. And you know because of those shows, we we knew what stuff did work, and at least in the live setting. And uh, and that's why we even we try we wanted to sh- do this year's show cuts to people and and see what people reacted to before we kind of start trimming stuff down but you know and and the other thing with making a show is like you know like your your audience is bigger so you know some stuff that the ucb community loved like my mom isn't you know like my mom isn't gonna love it she's not gonna laugh at me falling backwards to the rabbit she's gonna be nervous that i'm uh i'm falling over (laughs) so is that the main reason your mom doesn't like some sketches is she's worried you'll hurt yourself (laughs) or small animals she was right she was right the whole time Uh, it was also great in season two to get to uh, write for some more guest stars. Like we mm-hmm. had uh, Jack Black and Chris Elliott and Dana Carvey, and it was cool just kind of developing roles that 
those sorts of guys could do that we hadn't done on stage obviously because we didn't have them we, we had huge guest stars in our stage show too uh, <laughs> i will say in season one i wrote a sketch called supermodel wife and that was solely so i could maybe meet cindy crawford or <laughs> kathy ireland or or tia Carrere, <laughs> and we got them it's a wish fulfillment it's kind of like a make a wish foundation type yeah. sketch <laughs> You had to die yeah, I, I, t- I told the guys that I was dying, and so I needed to do the sketch, and they all believed me. And it, was, it worked out. It yeah. worked out great. Steve Crawford didn't care. Though. Then I miraculously recovered. <laughs> but you know, you had you had at least as far as the show is concerned, you had Bob on board from the beginning. Right? Yeah, I mean, you already had. Uh, th- that's kind of the the top of the mountain as far as sketch comedy. Totally, it uh, it's crazy because uh, it even despite. The fact that he truly is our sketch comedy hero. I mean, uh, Mr. Show is the seminal show of us forming, you know, what we liked about sketch comedy other than, like, early SNL and Monty Python. It's like, the that's the triumvirate. So I don't remember at what point we stopped being nervous that he would approve of an idea and started being nervous that we were making a good show. But it did happen somewhere in season one, and, and that's that's been really cool to, to evolve that way and start to see Bob as just, like, a, the funniest collaborator of all time and an amazing actor first uh, that we just get to have fun with in the room. Uh, I, I just saw an article online with Bob that it was like comedy is dead or something did you see that <laughs> he said the sketch bubble is about to burst. the sketch bubble so he worked with us for a little bit and then uh, the, he, he inflated it as much as humanly possible his, his last comedy audience was up and then he said sketch comedy's done <laughs> was, was, like, was, don't write a book that's what he's telling everybody was it like having a was it like having a you know a, a like dad in the room when he when he first got there yeah i mean if we would make a mistake in writing he would bend us over his knees and spank us uh to to that sense yes it was like having a dad in the room uh no it was totally like a a leader figure and a guy we wanted to like impress and 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 make happy i think it's such a slow gradual thing to go from like a fanboy to collaborator to now like we're friends with bob and he's like a normal guy that we can call and stuff but i was just just remembered that the first time we had like bumped into bob and met him and then been booked on shows with him but then the first time that we actually had him show up at ucb to watch one of our shows like his kids had just gone off to camp and he had a free night with his wife naomi and they came to ucb and saw our show afterwards he sent me an email that was like um Tim, tell the guys the show was very well constructed. You're really funny. And I forwarded it to the guys and Chris printed it out and we laminated it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the type of fandom. We have a laminated email. Uh, and then over the course of, of three years to be then like in an editing room arguing with them and uh, working up the nerve to be like, Bob, I think you're wrong here. <laughs> I, I think that your joke won't be as funny as mine. I would, I want we, that have to, we have to show him the laminate all yeah. the time. You said it, Bob. <laughs> I, would put that, I would put that in my you wall in case I like, died on the street or something. Like, right. I would find that on my person. It's your last, your last little testament. Yeah. yeah. yeah and then awesome. we, uh, we wrote him back and printed that out and laminated it and mailed it to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, that's just, we think that that's how email works. It's always a lot of printing and laminating. <laughs> It's much more expensive than so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> what what is like? Is there anything that can you point to like a single thing that he said? It was especially early on that really profoundly impacted the way you guys were writing. Um, yeah, I, th- I think like to get super mechanical about it, I think that Bob likes to, you know, a sketch has a premise, and then like when that comes out into like a, a premise line, and then typically in sketch comedy, you play a bunch of beats where you're kind of uh, heightening that same joke. In, we used to be the type of group, like when we first started, where at UCB, when you're writing class, you would write 10 of the same joke or something. You have a premise and you just keep hitting it over and over again. Bob, very specifically, only wants to play out that premise two, maybe three times before you turn a corner. Mm. So it was, it, the, 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 the word was corners. He was always saying, like, when we first went to his office and, and met with him, it's like, yeah, you have a great you have a great premise, and then we're laughing at it, and then we want to laugh again at it. But then bring me something new and end a sketch in a different place than where you started. So I think that's what we work on. Yeah, he also uh, told us. Like, I think this is him and David's thing was uh, a big thing about uh, the characters in the sketch mm-hmm. and trying to find something in the characters that maybe led to this happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of 
reasoning it out after all this craziness happens. It's like, how did that? How did you guys confuse each other yeah, yeah, and yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah. And then it's kind of like, this is my background. This is my background. Right. That's Digging how. Digging in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he also sent us an email before season two began production. Do you guys remember where he had a couple? Uh, a couple little bullet points he wanted us to sort of keep in mind. And the last one was, was, and guys dick around. It's, yeah. the, it's the secret, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. and yeah. And, uh, that is really uh, a testament to it's, it's funny. Our, our stuff is really, we get asked a lot if it's, um, heavily improvised and the answer is no, yeah, we not generally, like comparison to not, other, it, it's not, right it's not your Apatow or Will Ferrell sort of vehicle. It's, Pretty, we don't have the resources to spend the time doing it. But oh yeah, but uh, but Bob is really good at like emphasizing you need to play, and uh, and uh, I think it helped us a lot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're done here. How? We always go out on a yep. <laughs> I, I've got to imagine, you know, it, it changed because, as you said early on, you were kind of you you were, you were burning through through sketches. Um, that that first season, did you feel like you know this may be our only chance to have a seat like a, a television show? First season, first sketch at UCB Theater, two thousand four, whatever that was. Uh, I felt like when we got a green light on a pilot, that to me. I was like, perfect. That is like, that'll be like our swan song. So that, Cause I honestly thought all I wanted for this group was to not just only, only have UCB, you know, like, and if we would have sold a pilot that was a cool pilot that then we, we could show to people afterwards and be like, one time we made this cool pilot. I thought that was like the perfect cherry on top. And now they just keep asking us for more episodes. <laughs> I see so greedy. And uh, I remember the the pilot we put in. We that's when we really put in tried and and uh, tried and true material right. in our in our own eyes back then. Like we were very conscious of like this is going to be our time capsule thing. Like <laughs> like the group is done. We all know that. But <laughs> but uh, this pilot will, will crystallize the 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 organism that was our group. And then uh, you know, and we were able to branch out after that. And th- and that's just because of how hard you know, like it, it it is so so hard to get a sketch comedy show. And 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 like you know, like Human Giant did us before, but it feels like you know every de- decade, especially with just a sketch comedy group with an with ensemble. an ensemble. Yeah. You know, the seven guys, uh, which just didn't seem like it was going to happen. Like uh, so, we we're, were we're you know super lucky, but. Go ahead and say it. Blessed. Hashtag blessed. Is that? It's, are you guys pretty much approaching it that way? With you know, even even now that you're on season two, I I don't think so anymore. I, now I think it's that thing of uh, oh, what else can you do with this? Yeah. I think that wore off after the pilot of like now you got ten episodes. That's more quality content than you've written in your life. Mm-hmm. What can you do with that space and time? So season one was all about making sure we were hitting our sensibility, point of view, like what's unique about our show. And now I think in season two, we started to think a lot more about what's the structure of our show that distinguishes it from television across the border or from web videos. You know, why isn't it just six sketches lined up back to back? So there's a lot more like uh, character development, callbacks, through lines this season, the guest stars, you know, it's. It's just like a constant evolving uh, process. I think we always said uh, when we uh, went back and watched season one, we were like, season one was us learning how to turn our stage show into a TV show, yeah. and season two was learning how to turn our TV show into a TV show. Yeah. So it was kind of like, you know, because you learn a lot uh, in the production and the editing and seeing what works and what doesn't, and, um, and then just focusing more on what worked. Also, uh, we had that stenciled over the edit base. That's like our new. That's like our new crystallized uh, keystone uh, saying. Uh, season one was turning our stage show into a TV show, and season two is turning our TV show into our TV show. It's like thirty-five letters. Season three is turning our TV show into a movie. Yeah, yeah. and getting an Oscar. <laughs> and getting an Oscar. <laughs> season four, turn your movie into a ride. <laughs> and then, so, you go, then you go back to the stage yeah, show. Then, yeah, right then, stage. then it's a clip yeah. show. <laughs> season five is a clip show. Are you? Are you hyper-conscious of, of trying to figure out what, what makes it different? I mean, isn't that something that should kind of happen a little bit or, organically? I mean, I, you know, obviously you're incorporating 
a lot of people from sketch shows past. Right. No, I think uh, organic or not, it's still something you have to be conscious of. I mean, um, a great example is if you're doing a live uh, a live show, you can always get a laugh of like a pratfall or a physical bit or like a super blue body bit. But if you're doing, you know, six bits on stage, you better mix in some layering. You know, you better not just do that one shtick. So it's just like like any other, you know, like a stand-up honing their set and finding new avenues in, in a set. Like making the show is the same thing. And if you're not keeping tabs of it, you can fall into ruts, you know. So every single episode this year evolved in a different way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'd come in with a sketch and say, hey, this is really fertile let's extend the world and go three more beats, you know, in the, in the second act or the third act. And then sometimes you'd come in with, like, a fully formed story or a character that you wanted to pop up every time. But by mixing that up, I think we kept the show on its toes a little bit, closer to, like, a Monty Python tradition than um, maybe, like, a Portlandia tradition, which just keys off Fred and Carrie because they're such amazing comedic talents, you know? It's It's... I've got to imagine it's a lot harder to get that sort of focus when not only are there seven of you, but you guys try to put yourselves in as many of the sketches as possible. Yeah, I was just going to say, just 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 the story uh, part part of it all is is I think is for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people yeah. is is challenging because there's there's guys who you know they, they've written sketches forever, and but the the fact of a you know, making a cohesive thing that goes throughout an episode, and at the same time is 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 just also still being funny and not in that sketch. Like sometimes it's not that sketch world of of right. being funny, but it is just kind of like. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, no, I'm just going to add on to that. You were about to ask a little bit about like casting, and it touches on the same thing. Like the 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 fundamental difference between like Saturday Night Live and our show is that you've. You've literally created a dream team cast for SNL. You know, you've you've handpicked from all different scenes and you've put them in a room and you've you've picked some of the best writers you can find. You put them in a room and then you see what comes out of that. Our process is upside down in that way in that it's like we're already on the same page. We're thinking already about the show as a whole because the assumption is we're all going to like each other's sketches and that we're all going to cast Accordingly, you know, if if Mitch writes a character that is a, a, a dummy who doesn't know the difference between a, a baby and a basketball uh, and doesn't understand pregnancy, w- you can already read him in that role. So now we're just thinking about what else can we do with that sketch? You know, like what can we do that you wouldn't do on a topical weekly show? Um, so yeah, it's it is something you're a little aware of at least. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, since we've known each other for so long we're all friends it's been a really organic process kind of figuring out we all know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are and like uh this is chris talking jeff and i do a lot of the directing so we stay behind the camera more often (laughs) yeah (laughs) i just had to let the audience know who's talking to the beginning to know what chris sounds like yeah yeah um but no we all kind of know what each other's strengths are so like uh we we try to play to that and uh it, it seems to work out fairly organically a lot of our strengths are just like physical strength. I think that we're all, all seven of us are actually just really tough guys. Uh, if we if we, if we weren't doing comedy, we'd be like strong, strong men, most likely. Lots of sets and reps and hurdles. Yeah, what Chris is saying about how we know each other's strengths. Like I know everyone. Like who has the upper body strength, who has the lower body strength, and you can go to those people and they're ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is a lot of reps, but only that one set. <laughs> You're specifically writing characters with people in mind, for the most part? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definite, you know, uh, like Mike Hanford's a walking Hanford machine. He's a real goofball, <laughs> and everything he does is really Mike Hanfordy. Uh, so it's pretty obvious when you're writing a character who's going to, like, rollerblade around and fall down <laughs> uh that that you like I, I never sit and think like oh i want to write up a sketch for mike but when a character is like goofy rollerblade man you start to picture mike and then you write the lines in his voice on the flip side if you have like an accountant who needs to explain like where the bathroom is or a lawyer who um you know uh, needs to have a one line exchange with um a married couple Dave Ferguson's your guy uh, I mean uh, I feel like I've I've kind of entrenched myself in the role we just, can we just go around the horn then everybody everybody pick another member and describe some like vaguely insulting characteristics uh, I'm the fat guy always with a sandwich right out of reach uh, <laughs> 
Um, uh, I, I feel like on, on the opposite end of it, we, we didn't write like because we have some great guest stars this year, and, and uh, we didn't write specifically two guest stars. We did that once, and it didn't work. It, the the one episode, the casting didn't work out on that one person. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, I literally pl- did an impression. We won't even say who it is. No, say it. I think it's interesting. But uh, we we tried. We we wrote. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I mean, the impression is bad, so they, 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 they immediately won't, they won't know. But we 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 wrote, we wrote one episode uh, that we wanted Dan Aykroyd to be mm-hmm. in, and it was the it was the first time that we like we were like we're writing it to this, we're writing in his voice. We wrote a bunch of stuff in his voice, and then he couldn't do it, and which we were bummed about because we love the guy. But uh, uh, then we were like, oh, we have a bunch of sketches with like the guy being like, hey, how you doing? Like. like <laughs> And we were like, what are we supposed to do? So, like, uh, we had to rethink a lot of stuff. Uh, and that's that's why, like, I think we will write more, like, kind of types, you know, like. Uh, yeah, and not only types, but also concepts that we know. Uh, you know, we were lucky enough to, to cast as our guest stars. We've already mentioned a bunch of people. But, like, you know, Casey Wilson is just a great comedian. Like, she she could play any role. She's played her own one-woman show of characters, you know. So, what we really wanted to give our guest stars more than anything was a piece that they could bite into, like a really legitimately funny premise that we knew they would also inform with their own choices. So when you hand Dana Carvey a rich fashion designer, you know that if you give him decent jokes, he's just going to take it a million miles further with the physicality and the characterization. So we, we, were playing, we were playing to a home crowd in the sense of we knew that we wanted to pursue great comedy performers more than just like celebrities that'll get a bump. We wanted people that we like really believed in. So we had one character that was just written as handsome model type guy. And uh, I was going to play that guy myself. This is Chris again. Um, (laughs) But uh, we ended up getting Fabio, uh, the ultimate model. So that really worked out well. And a talented physical comedian. We uh, put him on some rollerblades too, and he was winging around. This is Chris again. <laughs> Fabio was actually very sweet because uh, I think my arm was broken at that point. He was very sweet to me, and then also, oh, I kissed I kissed Fabio on the cheek, which is very nice. But uh, the bed the bed we were in collapsed. Fabio and I got oh, in, a, yeah. in a, an old bed, and it it, it literally collapsed. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh my god, the bed collapsed. And Fabio was like, don't worry about it. Everything is fine. Like. You're like <laughs> This happens to me all the time. <laughs> he, was the of, he was the voice of reason on the set. Yeah, he's he's, 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 he's super he's sweet man. I also had a, a weird interaction with Fabio where he wanted some <laughs> butter for his uh, muffin, and I had some margarine. And he came and he took it, and he said he couldn't believe that it wasn't butter. He liked the taste so much. Mm. This happened on set. Yes, this was, happened on set. It was actually on a pirate ship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just hanging out on a pirate ship. You guys used to live in a house together, yeah. mm-hmm. which is heard. which is crazy. Like, I've heard lots of bands joke about this. This is sort of it's like the monkeys scenario. Um, no, <laughs> no, it's it is true. First of all, the rumors are true. Uh, uh, blogs can quiet down. It's true. Yeah, five of us live together in a house in North Hollywood, um, and uh, Hollywood Hills. It's the back side of the Hollywood Hills. It's like the base of the hill. The base of the dark side of the Hollywood Hills, where all the sewage runs down. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the gutter drain of the hills. Um, but yeah, we uh, we kind of we even like kind of split rooms in half and. Um, the downside was that it smelled like shit, uh, but the upside was that it became like our production studio. So we would, you know, like um, any normal human being, if they hung a chroma green screen on the wall of their home where they lived every day, they would leave it up for the duration of a shooting session. Then they'd remove that green screen, and put it back in a closet. It's way easier to leave up the green screen because if you have an idea and you need to shoot it quickly, that's one more idea in the bank. It's easier to explain to guests why it's up than to take it down take and it fold it. Yes. <laughs> we would prefer the social awkwardness right. to the effort of removing it. So we shot like um, most of our web videos and uh, videos that we did for the UCB show, which became the, the fodder for pitching the pilot, mm-hmm. um, were shot around that house. And um, I think they've declared it a national yeah, landmark. Now, or? now it's the Ham Hat House. Yeah, it's known. There's a, you know how like, you see those gold placards? Uh, they actually put one uh, in the driveway. 
Yeah. The Preservation well, Society has deemed it that, uh, unfortunately, that house cannot be knocked down. Right. Because it's, it's uh, asbestos-ridden. <laughs> and, yeah, it holds the record for being tented the longest. Uh, they moved out and they, they tented it, in, uh, and they still haven't taken the tent off because there's so many disgusting things in there. When we were leaving, I remember I just saw a cockroach in the basement. Walking by, I was like, "Oh, was that you? I'm sorry." (laughs) (laughs) Was it really just? It was two years ago that you guys moved out of there. Um, Yeah, yeah. we made the pilot there. There's scenes in the pilot. There, yeah. Yeah. It it was that sort of thing. I think when we were like, "All right, we're all 30. We shouldn't live in the same house and same rooms together anymore. (laughs) It's time to grow up a little bit." So we kind of split off and got uh, places together. (laughs) It wasn't like. It wasn't like we have a television show now. We can get our own place. Uh, there, there might have been a little bit of that, but I, honestly, not 100%. Like, uh, To be fair, we all live in the same neighborhood still. <laughs> I mean, I can walk to all their houses. Yeah. That's good. So, and you guys still mostly get along with each other? Oh, yeah. Seems like you still like each other? Yeah. Look, just say it. This is Chris, and I hate every single person in this group. You guys, you guys didn't enter here in in in, in two shifts, so that yeah, there, we, there, have there to, we have to we have to be four. kept in separate cars. Not yeah. not because we don't like it, because we don't fit. <laughs> Although the 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 Fredonia house, uh, which is now I gave away the location, they're going to be hounding that poor house. So I feel so bad. Um, 30, uh, yeah, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. God, I already forgot. Thirty nine, thirty eight, triangulated it with geographical insults. So I feel yeah, like I, I was really hoping that Google Maps would drive by while we still live there and maybe catch an angle on it because we always had like, like I would walk out and you know like if somebody spilled a beer, somebody would grab the closest towel and you know wipe it down, but then they'd hang it from like the potted plant hook that was in front of the door. So. Our house just like from the outside. We we also we kept all of our props in the house, uh, like from the stage shows and stuff. And it got to the point where the, it was taking up too much room in the living room, so we bought a Rubbermaid shed for outside. But then it filled the Rubbermaid shed, so we would just lean things against the front of the house. It's amazing we weren't condemned. And if anyone left the Rubbermaid shed open or something. Tons of stuff would just get like mildewy. So you'd like, you'd be like, "Where's that big foam three? And you pull it out, and it was just like covered in molds. And you're like, "Oh Jesus!" Oh, go just okay. go for it. Yeah, um, I never told you this. Everybody's Mitch. tuned out by now. Anyway. I never told you this, but uh, we used to do. There's a sketch in season one called Pretty Dad, and in that sketch, uh, Mike Mitchell plays my father, and he, uh, I, my prom date stands me up. So um, Mitch dresses up like a woman and takes me to prom and things things get out of hand and we and you know he he gets hurt and comes back and apologizes and we make up and that makeup moment goes a little too far i'll let you watch the sketch see how it pans out on tv but on stage it culminated in a blowjob scene that we had to find a way to do live in front of a proper audience and you can't you know, physically do that. We'd be happy to, but you can't. Hollywood. <laughs> so we needed a we needed a dildo. So we bought we bought this dildo. We did the sketch once, and I thought we would never do it again because you were so uncomfortable having to perform that act. You, you did it like a trooper, but it was an uncomfortable <laughs> act. We decided to do the sketch again, and I couldn't find the dildo. It was in that shed, and uh, <laughs> we washed it. We put it through the dishwasher, but it. You know, it, it, it gave me pause. <laughs> <laughs> that dildo was floating around the, the house for a long time, too, just to be, like, on the shelf. And I remember, oh, wait. like, yeah. sometimes, like... You're the only my... one not laughing at this, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, Mitch doesn't like it. But we... You know, like, if, if somebody's parents were coming by that house, if they were in town... Yeah, yeah. Like, when we were 22, it meant, like, oh, you know, if, if there's, like, any weed around or something, we should hide it before somebody's parents come in. But then I remember then it just became always, like, my parents are coming in, and then nobody was really smoking weed anymore, but there was a dildo in the middle of the, t- the table. That became, like, our, thi- our weird thing. hide the dildo. The, the yeah. best story about that dildo, and I can't believe there are this many stories about that dildo. <laughs> I can't. But one popular um, thing to do around the house was to bounce it. <laughs> to throw it at the tile floor and bounce it around and uh my predecessor in the house is a guy who wasn't in the sketch group but he he came back over for a house party one time and we were we were bouncing it around 
And uh, he bounced it too hard. He drop kicked. He drop kicked it, <laughs> and it projectiled into a ceiling fan and broke the ceiling fan. It, it broke <laughs> one, hard one of the blades clean off the ceiling yeah, fan. Just straight shot it off, and we had to explain to our landlord <laughs> how we broke the fan. I also want to say that. Dave said I was uncomfortable with it, uh, so I give him a, a blowjob in this scene, and I remember the lights came up, and I looked down at the dildo, and it was covered in red lipstick, and I almost threw up. That was the reason why. We, 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 both, we, we both did. But yeah, I, I'm pretty disappointed to hear that this thing was uh, bounced around, and in the yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> Touched a fan. A dog. This may have been, yeah, I think this may have also been the dildo where we had a friend come over with a dog and the dog got on it and was chewing it and we thought that was funny. We, so we didn't stop it. It was just You're watching not, you're not little, entirely sure it was that dildo specifically, though? I believe so. And it looked rough afterwards. It was it all was, chewed up. It but was it was a funny one of many dildos. Though. It was the funniest thing to see a little kind of chihuahua mixed dog handling this eight inch dong. <laughs> Well, that was, it was it was eight inch junior dong was the name because we, we had to rebuy it like when we lost it and then uh, eight, eight inch junior dong is the name if you want to get a good dildo. I thought it was yeah. classic eight inch dong. Classic eight inch junior. Dong. Yeah, it was classic. What, so what, what the hell is junior? They about get happening? big. It's for kids. <laughs> <laughs> say that again. What'd you say? It's for kids. Yeah, this uh, is uh, sorry. I thought this I was, is Chris again. <laughs> That, 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 there, yeah, that, there's nothing junior about that thing, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Interview over. <laughs> I was going to say dildos aside, but I don't know, they may factor in this. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we haven't completely left that behind for better or for worse. This podcast brought to you by 8 Inch uh, Junior Classic Dog. Absolutely would accept them as a sponsorship. Um, did, you, did you move in together with the notion that it was going to? kind of help you guys congeal as as a, as a group uh no i think we we all moved out at the same time but we had like a rudderless year yeah. of um see when you move to la they tell you to get a get a pa job and that's the way to get a tv show <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the only way i i still don't think that's true but um we we found ucb about a year in and that was really the beginning of like hey these guys neil and paul are there they joke around like how how we joke around maybe we could do a thing right he's talking about neil campbell and paul rust who uh were two guys doing stuff at ucb theater and we still work with all the time um neil is like the showrunner of comedy bang bang paul's done all kinds of great stuff but um you know like recognizing shared sensibility both within our group but then by seeing shows at UCB turned it from like a convenient roommate situation moving out of college a lot of us went to Ithaca College um, into like oh yeah this this is at least an outlet for uh, web videos or, or live shows and then it just kind of steamrolled every single one of you though moved out to LA with the notion of of doing TV of or being in show business? Uh, yeah, I think so, more or less. Matt, you have a business degree, right, at some point? Yeah, I got a degree in marketing, but as soon as I graduated and I got a real job, after about two months, I told my parents, I don't want to do this, I want to be a comedian, and then I moved to L.A., and they thought I was insane. <laughs> so, But yeah, I, uh, I moved to L.A., and literally the first week I was there, I signed up for classes, and all yeah. six of the guys were in that same class, and we all met in that uh, Improv 101 class. I was actually a computer science major for two years, uh, and then I moved over to screenwriting because uh, I didn't understand anything that was going on in computer science. So <laughs> these are these are moves that parents generally frown upon from business and computer science into comedy and show business. At what point is it like? Oh, we have a TV show now. Now they're okay. I, would, I would say I, it was never like you're crazy and I don't support this. It was like, okay, go do what you want to do. I, I think, I think, yeah, we, you're crazy, but okay. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us are lucky in that our parents were like, well, do whatever. Yeah. The, the biggest thing I've still ever done was a video that Dave got me to do was a, a video with Tom Brady and uh, I'm from Massachusetts. Mm. I'm from Quincy, Mass. And they, Patriots fan. Pa- yeah, yeah, and so everyone for the first time ever Everyone from like Quincy and stuff, people I went to high school with, were like, "You did it!" Like, and then like, they're like, "It is you weird did that it. thing you... that it takes for like yeah. normal people to figure out that you've made it." In it some was way. it was being in a me being a super fan of Tom Brady in yeah. a video. They, they they'll never get over it. They don't even know half of them don't know about our show. Yeah, but they. Yeah, no, I was just gonna agree. Sorry, I, the the I don't know how wide of a swath your listeners are, but um, it is real like. 
it's a huge reminder that what you see on um, broadcast TV um, is such a small part of what's out there of like the thing that Mitch did for what four hours in one day equals more occupies more Mm. brain space than what you've committed literally the last eight years to and what you're so proud of and what like you you know you put all your time to and um i do i do think that uh it's proof that like there are a million great movies that you haven't seen and no one has seen like that were made by some fresh college grad that he's wrapped up ten thousand dollars into that are funnier or better than anything that's ever been made but it's that's like the hugest learning experience for us is uh getting an audience is always a relative challenge like your reach can always be bigger there no one is not trying to expand their audience but hopefully we're like at least deepening our our voice you know like digging into the comedy we're we're, we're kind of a weird group in that we kind of came like a we we didn't start with youtube right Uh, we we youtube was like getting bigger and bigger as we were kind of finding our feet out here too so yeah 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 same with ucb we we were kind of in there pretty early so in 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 LA, so they, it's they been around in their success to, to oh, yeah. you guys. <laughs> yeah, they'd love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in New York, it had been a thing. We 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 luckily got into the theater pretty early, but mm-hmm. there was there's guys who Neil and Paul were there when the do- doors first opened. Yeah. But like, uh, just just the thing with YouTube was like, uh, and we were also lucky in a lot of ways, but uh, uh, that we even just made that mark because it could have we could have been ten years before and. It, and it never would have been around, but it, it is that kind of strange thing of we were coming up and and YouTube was getting bigger and bigger and, and bigger, you know. Funny so funny or die came along. And funny or die came along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's funny. We are the sort of age where it was ju- we are just old enough to want to have a TV show when everybody else is sort of going to the internet. Right. And um, but we've had some struggles with um youtube because uh for example where are they now tom hanks is a video that chris uh made and um written by mike Mike, sorry and um half the comments the idea is where are they now tom hanks uh very dry and it's following up on where where this guy from where the actor from bachelor party is now and he's 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 doing forrest gump and all these things and he's married now and all the comments are like Tom Hanks is a famous actor. What are you guys talking about? And it's like they are they are understanding the premise. They're just not understanding that we, we yeah. What Jeff is saying is that the majority of YouTube users are morons pretty much. That's 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 pretty I mean I like a it, majority of TV viewers are Wait a second. Wait a second. Well, who do you who do you broadcast to? Who 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 will listen to this? YouTube guys, uh, there's probably some crossover between people watching <laughs> no, and coming on YouTube and people. Listen, <laughs> any of you YouTube users out there, I'll take an IQ test against you, and we'll see who wins. Challenge every single one of you YouTubers. And Mitch promises to lose to each and every one of you. <laughs> no, no, I, I think uh, it, it is that it, it is that funny thing when when a. A uh, 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 thing doesn't work. I mean, and that video does work in a lot of ways, but you'll see a lot of people be confused sometimes by by premises, and it's good. I mean, it's a good thing to see. It, it proves the premise that um, audience is always wrong. So, and I think that's that's the culmination of our career is that you know if someone isn't getting exactly what you're doing, they're doing something wrong, and it's not on you. So, right? I mean, that would sum up our season one and two experience. There you go, those birthday boys. All seven. All seven of the birthday boys. Uh, I hope the sound levels were reasonably decent on that one, as I mentioned. Um, I, I walked into a conference room and the entire troupe was there, which is, all, you know, for I mean, most sketch comedy troops, that's a lot of people deal with once, but this is a, a particularly large one. Um, I had. Uh, I had just done an, another interview for IFC. I won't go into the specifics on it, unfortunately, because of some technical difficulties. We were unable to post that one. But um, it, it was the idea is that I was supposed to go into a hotel room and, and interview two people at the same time. So I was talking to uh, to the IFC PR person was saying, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this thing is going to turn out very well. I've got this sort of minimalist setup. 
Um, I've only got two microphones. I need one of them. They're going to have to be passing them back and forth the entire time. I don't know if we're going to be able to pull it off. So, of course, the next time uh, I sit down and do an interview with IFC, it's it's a troop of seven people. But all things considered, you know, I think it... um, I think it turned out reasonably well, um, you know, and again, despite the fact that we spent the vast majority of the beginning of the interview discussing how many people were, were, were in the troop, which I'm, I'm sure is something that they, they, they get a lot. Uh, but, you know, once we got out of the hump, I'm, I'm very, very happy with how that interview turned out. A uh, very, very funny group of guys. Uh, you can watch your show on AFC. It's on uh, now. I was going to say right now, but I don't know when you're listening to this. I don't think it's on as I'm recording this. I think the State of the Union, I should be watching that and finding out what's happening with, with the Union right now. Uh, but uh, it's on IFC. It's on, if you got Netflix, it's on Netflix. It's how I watch things. You can, you, you know, you can waste waste uh, an entire weekend watch uh, Catching Up on the Birthday Boys. A uh, very, very funny show. Very funny group of guys are doing some interesting things with it in the in the sketch comedy world and, and have a lot of very, very talented people on board with them. I mean, Bob, you know, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk likes these guys. It should be should be all of the endorsement. You don't need to. I don't. You don't need me to endorse them. Bob Odenkirk, one of the funniest guys ever, is involved with this thing. So go check out their show. Uh, thank you so much to them for for taking the time to do that. Um, very very interesting interview. Uh, thanks thanks to to Haley for setting this thing up. Uh, thanks to Brian as always for editing the show together. I'm sure this was a particularly difficult one given all of the um, passing around of the microphone that that happened. So um, hopefully. We- didn't, uh, didn't, didn't take a couple of years off of his life in the process of doing that. Uh, thanks to Mark and everybody else at the Boing Boing Podcast Network for hosting us up over there. If you like the show, there are plenty of other fine shows you can check out over at iTunes. And while you're over at iTunes, you know you should take the should take the chance to, to rate the show, to subscribe. Um, we've got a Tumblr. You can follow us over on Tumblr. Uh, that's uh, tumblr.com slash R-O-L-Cast. If you've got any feedback... It's ROLcast at, uh, at gmail.com, and we have a Facebook thing now. You can go go like us over at Facebook. Um, I'll be putting some, get some exclusive stuff, lists. I put together a list recently. Totally willing to make more lists. I, You know, the sky's the limit over on Facebook. Uh, thank you so much to, for, for listening to the show. We'll be back uh, just about this time next week with another episode of ROL.